Welcome everyone, it's a good day to be in God's Word. I'm Joel Van Hoogen and this is the Bread of Life. Our program is presented by the International Disciple Making and Church Planting Ministry, Church Partnership Evangelism. Let me encourage you to learn more about the work we're doing all around the world. You can do so by going to traincpe.org and to learn about our missions fellowship here in Boise, Idaho, go to breadoflifeboise.org. We have been considering the baptism of the Holy Spirit and how that baptism registers in a person's life. What does it look like when a person is under the filling of the Holy Spirit? And we've concluded that it looks like inebriation. It looks like a person who is gushing forth with generosity of heart the works of God from their lives. And what I want you to see is that when they experienced this effusive outpouring of the Spirit upon them, their hearts opened up in this generous, transparent pouring forth of the uninhibited joy of a message that was composed, it was commanding, it was courageous, it was comprised with the knowledge of God's Word, and it was all centered on Jesus Christ. And as a result, as they freely shared these things from their heart and out of their intoxicated love for the Lord Jesus... This open-hearted message became incredibly convicting and convincing as well. The outpouring of the Spirit baptizing us fills us with an open-hearted generosity, but there's a message at the center of it. God has answered His Word. What the Spirit does is He brings to our minds and our hearts the knowledge of that Scripture. The one who wrote it begins to take what He's taught and express in it, and He begins to express it in our lives, and it begins to come forth from us before others. It's kind of a wonderful thing, by the way. I don't know, when you're sharing your faith with individuals, as you allow yourself to venture into that place where you begin to pour out your heart the truth that God has shown you and revealed to you through Jesus Christ, what you'll discover is that all of a sudden your mind, the Spirit will join you and meet you in the moment, and your mind will open up to His words. His words will begin to pour out of you, and you'll begin to express His truth to to an individual. I think of a story, Ignacio, I think this is one of your accounts. Ignacio is preaching to a woman and speaking to a woman in a city in Ecuador, or a town in Ecuador, this is in Huatacocha, many, many years ago. The woman is expressing her concerns about facing judgment and not having answers and not knowing what God's promises are and whether we can trust them or not. And as they're speaking, Ignacio's mind goes to the promise of the rainbow that came over Noah after the flood. And here was this wonderful expression of God's expression of promise in the rainbow. That, and the word came out before them. And as he was sharing that, what you'd see but off in the distance from where they're sitting was a rainbow that was arching out over in the sky. Pointing to him and expressing to her from God's word and God's truth what that rainbow meant and what it stood for and God's promises. And God's promise to release his judgment from upon man if they would believe and trust in him and receive his promises and embrace him and... It's just an example of how the Holy Spirit gives us a message that's lined with Scripture and it's composed and it's commanding and it's comprised of a knowledge of His Word, but it's all centered in Jesus Christ and it's, it's terribly or wonderfully convicting. Look at verses 46 and 47. Here you have, in a sense, a summation of the experience of the disciples on this first day of Pentecost, but there's another point we can take from this. It says here, and day by day, Attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. That's that idea, that open-heartedness, right? Praising God and having favor with all people. And so secondly, I want to add to this idea that there's a, a message at the center of this generosity. I want to add to it that the 
generous heart is lined above all else with gladness. From the start of it, that's the way it had to be. From the moment in which the Spirit began to pour out His fullness upon these individuals on this day, and they were filled with the sense of Christ's presence and Christ's power, the, the one thing that they had to have come upon them was a sense of great joy and gladness. And they couldn't hold it back. It lined. It, it was the atmosphere from which all that they said and all they spoke was conditioned. And, and I think, by the way, that it was this gladness, it was this joy that was most convicting to those around them. It was the expression of a joy that those around them did not have that ultimately convicted them of their deep need. You know, we might think that the reason they cried out, men and brethren, what must we do? Because Peter ended his message with, this one who is Lord in Christ you crucified. That is rather convicting. That might have cut them to the heart, but all along, I think it was the joy of the people, their gladness. It was the power of their joy and gladness that made those words particularly penetrating to that moment. I don't think it would have made an impact with them if from angry and furrowed brows or from an expression of anxiety and concern and worry and concern, that message had come to them. It was this convicting message that had come to them out of a life, out of a heart lined, effusive heart lined with gladness and joy. That's the thing that cut through to them. Paul and Silas later on will be in Philippi. In Philippi, Paul will become irritated by a slave girl who is possessed by a demon who is gaining income for her owners because she's been given through this demon the power to tell people's fortunes. And Paul, being annoyed by what she's saying because she keeps pronouncing these men are representing the Christ of God, and he casts the demon out of the woman. In the process, she's set wonderfully free, but the men who owned her lost their business. And so they took her before the magistrates of the city the magistrates of the city have Paul and Silas beaten with rods and cast into a prison, and they're thrown into the very center of the prison, in the middle of the prison. There in the middle of the prison, Paul and Silas break forth in uninhibited, spontaneous praise and rejoicing. And their song of praise and rejoicing begins to pour forth from their lips, and all the other prisoners in that prison hear their praise, and it begins to convict them. Their joy and their rejoicing. What is this sound? What is this wonderful thing we're hearing? We don't know it. Such peace, such satisfaction, such joy. And the man who ran the prison house heard that song as well. It was convicting him all through the night. And then in the middle of the night, there was a great earthquake that took place. And we're told it was so powerful that it sprung open all the doors of the prison house and it loosed men from all of their chains. The prison owner came out and just assumed that everybody had escaped the prison as he entered in and saw the cells were all empty and he began to take a sword to kill himself and there came a shout to him from the middle of the prison, from that middle cell that Paul and Silas had been put in. And they said, now don't kill yourself. Nobody has escaped. They've all entered into the middle room. Now that's an odd thing to me. If there's a massive earthquake, you run out of the house. You don't run to the middle of the house. But they ran to the one place that their hearts had been convicted by and the one place where they knew their need could be answered. It was a place of joy and rejoicing and gladness. They ran into the prison cell where Paul and Silas was. Those other prisoners were convicted by what they heard, the gladness of their song. And so was the man who ran that prison. He ran in and he gave word to exactly what all the others were thinking as well. He fell down before them and said, Men and brethren, what do I have to do to be saved? Conviction that came upon them because of the gladness of their song. The generosity that comes upon us 
as we're filled and baptized with the Holy Spirit makes us generous with our message. We can't hide from people what Jesus has done for us. It's a specific message and we don't just talk about it in terms of what we've experienced. It's what we've experienced and you can have. But at the heart of it, it's great joy and great gladness. We're not reproving people. We're not judging them. We're not considering ourselves better than them. We're not impatient or angry with them because they can't figure it out. We're glad. We're filled with gladness. That's the evidence of this outpoured filling of the Holy Spirit. Here's one last thing. It was a generosity that was not limited with words. It was a generosity that was not limited with words. Let's read Acts 2, 42-47. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and the breaking of bread and prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common, And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day they were attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes. And they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. They became generous with their time. They became generous with their praise. They became generous in their fellowship. They became generous in their prayers. In other words, they weren't happy just to get together one hour a week. They became generous with their fellowship. They became generous with their prayers. They became generous with their possessions. And this wasn't a program that someone started. This wasn't a policy that someone enacted. This was not some kind of planned, directed activity. It was the spontaneous overflow of hearts that have been baptized by the Holy Spirit. It was the mark of their baptism. Now, we may not do it exactly as they did it there in the book of Acts, but it should look an awful lot like it. It should look a lot like it. A generosity, a transparency, an open-heartedness before one another in which we cannot get enough of being together to praise Him and pray in which our lives are pouring out the perfume of the presence of the Lord Jesus and also our longing that others might experience the gladness that we know through Him and the salvation that we receive through Him, a generosity that impacts the way we interact with one another. Our hearts will open up to Him and to one another. We won't hold ourselves back in some kind of self-preservation We'll make the Lord Jesus the uninhibited central message of what we speak. Whatever we talk about, somehow it keeps looping back to Him and His faithfulness. Our lives will be lined with gladness in our testimony of Jesus Christ. It will be seen and witnessed that we're people of joy. This generous love will then flow over all our relationships, all our engagements, all of our activity. Generosity, not just of words, but found in the way we handle our time and our possessions and our money and our everything. Generosity. Now, having said all that, do you want that? Really? Do you want that? Do you, uh, do you think our world needs that? Would that enhance our message? Would it make it more believable, more receivable? Could you say 
I want that for myself. When you look at it, could you think that you could be more effective at sharing Christ without these things? No. The right response when we have these kind of examples put before us was to say, oh God, do that in my life. Do that with me. There's something about the way in which God brings revival and the Spirit of God comes upon the church historically. You see at times this wonderful work of God that is sovereignly and providentially taking place that in a sense we have no control over. We have no control over the Spirit somehow coming massively upon all of us at once. We can't. I would love to have it happen if all of a sudden we all just, at once our hearts just broke open and weeping and tears and rejoicing and wanting to live for him and please him and all of a sudden we just began to share with one another the things that we've been holding back and tied up and bundled up with. I would want that, but God has to do that by his spirit. God has to do that by his spirit. But there is a sense in which what God does in your life What God does for you is dependent upon your response to Him. He can bring this to you. He can affect you in these ways. From your life, He can pour out a witness, a glad, generous witness on others that's commanding, composed, convicting. I want that for myself. Let's bow our heads and let's pray. This has been the Bread of Life, a ministry of Church Partnership Evangelism and the Bread of Life Church in Boise, Idaho. To learn more, go to traincpe.org or breadoflifeboise.org. Until the next time, may God bless you.